Isaiah chapter 61, starting in verse 1. This is what the Bible records. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. As we dive into the scriptures together this morning, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as we approach your word today that you desire to speak to us through it. So we just ask that right here and right now, Holy Spirit, you would move and work in our lives. That we would not just go through the motions of another Easter Sunday, but instead you would give us divine revelation of who you are, Jesus, and just how much you love us. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would pour out your presence in this time. That you would reveal your word to us. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. That you would have your way in this time. We love you. All we desire is your presence. In your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen. Uh, This passage that we just read, it's all about Jesus. Isaiah is pointing us in every one of these words to Jesus. The deep truth that in Jesus, in Jesus alone, we find everything that we are looking for. That the Spirit of the Lord God is upon Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed Jesus to be the good news for all humanity. That he has sent Jesus to bind up the brokenhearted. Are you broken hearted this Easter Sunday? He has sent Jesus for you. That he has sent Jesus to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Are you feeling imprisoned this morning by your sin or by your shame or by your story? Is your life feeling heavy? Does it feel like it's too much to handle this Easter Sunday? He has sent Jesus for you. He has sent Jesus to comfort all those who mourn, to give us beauty instead of ashes and oil of gladness instead of mourning. Are you hurting? Are you mourning? Is there brokenness or sadness swelling in your heart this Easter Sunday? He has sent Jesus for you. He has sent Jesus to give us a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Burned out? Worn down this Easter Sunday. He has sent Jesus for you. He has sent Jesus that we might be called oaks of righteousness. Are you feeling like a little twig this Easter? Easily could snap at any moment. That your car right here, your kid almost needed a resurrection because you laid your hands on him almost. No judgment. I feel you. I had an altercation with my son this week. He's one years old. And he won. He has sent Jesus so that we could be built up in the Lord God Almighty, so that the Lord God Almighty could be glorified in and through our lives. That all of this, all the breath in our lungs, all these minutes and moments, your lips, hips, and fingertips, every ache and joy, every moment of death in life, all of it, it is in Jesus and Jesus alone. We find everything that we are looking for. For in Jesus, 
is the fulfillment of all things. Now, what does this passage have to do with Easter? Why in the ham sandwich are we reading Isaiah on Easter morning? Where is the empty tomb? The angel boys, the big stone that got her rolled away. Mary, Petey, and John John, where's the risen king? We'll get there. But in order to glimpse the history-altering truth of Easter, we must first come to the revelation that Jesus and the reality of Easter, the conquering of death and sin by the Savior, it is not just some good story or just some wonderful thoughts. It's not just a page out of a book that we turn to. Easter and the resurrection of Jesus is the binding that holds all things together. So let's take a peek at it. You might be familiar with the passage. It's John chapter 20, commonly known as the Easter story. Hear it now this morning with fresh ears. Now on the first day of the week, Mary came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and John. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple went around Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the other cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Now there's much to be said about Easter and the power of the resurrection. There's a lot to be said about what this moment in history means. Because without the resurrection, there's no power in the name of Jesus. All the promises of God are void. Without this moment of death defeated. Jesus was just another good teacher. who did some awesome miracles. But the beauty of Easter and the truth of this passage is that God did not just shout from heaven how much we are loved. The one true God did not just make claims about His power and His perfect love for all of humanity. No! The glory put on display in an empty tomb with death defeated by the Savior who chose the cross on our behalf is the utmost glory showing us that God is who He says He is. That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is king. That Jesus is, in fact, life. That Easter declares 
Jesus is the hope of humanity. And he did not only defeat hell, death, and the grave, but he holds life in his hands for whoever would believe in his name. Verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now I just love this detail. That the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Because we could easily gloss over because we're so familiar with the Easter story. But you see, Jesus, he didn't need the stone taken away. He just defeated hell, death, and the grave. He just rose from the dead. He didn't need the stone moved. Kind of hard for the Son of God to handle a pebble. No! You see, the stone was rolled away that day, not to let Jesus out, but so that we could be let in. So that we could be let in to see all that God has done. The truth of perfect love and perfect grace on full display. The reality of the person of Jesus alive. And that in, through, and with him, we are invited into life again. Verse 5 through 9, and stooping to look in, John saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. Then John also went in, and he saw and believed. Can you imagine this moment? Like, really imagine it. Mary goes to the tomb early in the morning. The stone's been rolled away. It's empty. The body of Jesus nowhere to be found. She runs back. She gets Petey and John, John. They run to the garden. They stoop down. They look in. No Jesus in sight. They rush into the tomb further. They look around. There's no body there. In verse 8, they saw and believed. They saw the empty tomb and remembered what Jesus had told them, that he would die but that the Son of the living God would rise again. Because this Jesus, he always keeps his promises. He is faithful to complete the work of his hands. The passage goes on, verse 11 to 13. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Woman, why are you weeping? What are the angels getting at in this moment? They're saying, do you not know? Jesus is who he says he is. He is not here. He has risen. They're saying, don't you remember? Jesus is the one that all of Isaiah is pointing to. Isaiah has pointed to him that the spirit of the Lord is upon him. That the Lord has anointed him to bring good news to the poor. He sent him to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Opening of the prisons to comfort all who mourn. To give beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. He's not here. He is risen. But have you ever had a moment like that? A moment where the God of perfect love you kind of start to believe maybe isn't so perfect after all. That it's a letdown. That you thought this was it. But how could a God so loving? Has heartbreak ever invaded your life and shadowed the hope of Jesus? A moment where you got your hopes up only to be shattered. A wound that just won't seem to heal. A sickness that now feels so central to your story. The hope of your marriage flourishing but the rocks just keep getting rockier. A toddler that you know in this city who doesn't know they're the beloved and your heart is heavy because of it. 
The hope of an unanswered prayer, but for some reason you can't figure out why God seems to be so silent when the cry of your heart is so loud. The ache in your gut from shame or brokenness or past mistakes. The scars of anxiety and busyness. The seeming endless pursuit of purpose for your life in the midst of a comparison game that no one can seem to win. You thought this was it. Mary thought this was it. Where's the hope I had? It all seems empty. But could it be? Could it be that for you and I and all of humanity, that what we crave is actually found in the empty? The emptiness of the tomb that day. The empty that points us to the unwavering truth that Jesus in his resurrection leads to the fullness of life. Not an empty promise or a broken hope. But that in the midst of it, if we stooped down and looked into the story with humility in our hearts, we would find a hope. We would find a truth. We would find that this Jesus, oh, he is everything that we are looking for. That this Jesus is the only one who can take what is dead in us and make us alive again. My friend C.S. Lewis writes, Do you know that nothing in you has not, that has not died will ever be raised from the dead? So if you look to yourself, you will only ever find in the long run hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin and decay. But if you look to Jesus, if you look for Jesus, you will find him. And with him, everything else. That our God is a God of his promise. And he is faithful and will never forsake the work of his hands. Even when we can't see it or understand it, there is a garden tomb that is empty and a son of God who is risen that declares it. So the passage goes on. Verse 14 to 15. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, Mary said to him, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned. And cried out, Jesus, teacher, it's you. It's you. You know, so often we think or maybe we've heard that God is upset with us. Or we think that God is far from us. Or I'm too far from him. Or I'm a mess. Or my brokenness is too much. Or my family life is chaos. The wounds cut too deep. My sin, my shame, my story, my past mistakes. The guilt I'm carrying. The pride I'm hiding. Whatever it is. That there's no way that God is looking at me with a heart of love. Could I encourage you? The God of Easter. The risen Jesus. Does not call out your brokenness. Does not call out your sin. Does not call out your shame. The risen Jesus, the God of Easter, calls out your name. That's what he just did with Mary. The risen Jesus is revealed not by his appearance to her in an empty tomb that day. No, 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 no. The risen Jesus is revealed by the intimacy in which he calls us beloved. In the intimacy 
by how much he loves us and our willingness to turn and hear the love in his voice. Our willingness to turn from our sin and hear the risen Jesus calling our name and inviting us to respond to the truth of the resurrection. Not by our own effort. Not by our works or our doing. Not by empty religion. But by the grace of Jesus. The love of the Heavenly Father. And the power of the Holy Spirit moving and working in all the common and ordinary areas of our lives. That before this moment, there was no way back to the God who absolutely loves us. That before the resurrection and this truth, there was no way back to the life that we were made for. No hope. No good news. Just brokenness before us. And every single bit of scripture is building towards this moment where the risen Jesus invites humanity back home again. Jesus, with life in his hands. Declaring that because of the resurrection, there is no more separation. Because of Easter, we can be in perfect relationship with our God again. And he reveals it. Jesus reveals the glory of his resurrection. Not by anything else other than calling out to his beloveds by name. The revelation comes from the intimacy of just how much he loves us. And just how hopeless we are. Without him. Are you with me? This is the greatest news in the history of humanity. So what are we to do about it? What are we to do about this news? Well, that's John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Believe and form our lives around the person of Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. There are people in this room right now and in this city who think they're saved because they prayed a prayer. The Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the world that He sent a prayer. There are people in this room and in this city who think they're walking with Jesus because they attend church. It does not say for God so loved the world that He sent church attendance. It does not say for God so loved the world that He sent services and small groups and programs. The Scripture says He sent His Son. And as many who received Him, the person, to them He would give the right to become children of God. We have to walk with the person of the Lord Jesus. Deny ourselves. That's the gospel. Turn from our sin. Take up our cross, which is a tool designed for death. And follow Jesus. The one who calls us beloved. The one who calls us by name. The one who is risen, defeating death and sin that swells in my heart. That swells in your heart. That we must follow the person of Jesus in the way of life he has for us in every single Monday through Saturday common and ordinary existence that you and I live with him. That's our faith. Giving all of our love and all of our allegiance to him and to him alone. First love. That's the only love that he will receive. He won't share you. His love is too perfect to be replaced or marked. First love, that must be who Jesus is to us. 
You might think, well, whoa, 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 what about my spouse or my kiddos or my best buds? You'll be the husband, wife, mom, dad, friend, brother and sister in Christ if you love Jesus first. I promise. Our lives must be marked with the resurrection power. Our lives must be marked with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now living inside of us. Our lives must be marked with the truth of his overwhelming love for us. And in turn, our first love for him. That it's so easy in our culture for us to miss the power. To shut our ears and our heart because we say, ah, I heard it before. Anything else? Could I encourage us? This is everything. This is the deepest truth. This is the ache in your heart. In Jesus, in Jesus alone, we find everything that we are looking for. And it's also very easy to believe this is for someone else and not for us. That for some reason you're not enough. Or in pride you think you'll be okay without it. And to think that way is to void the cross, to dismiss the empty tomb, and shut our eyes to the glory of the risen King and deny the love that is ours for the receiving. The truth of Easter declares we are no match for the sin within us. That we are no match for the death that is within us. But take heart. He's calling your name. So would we turn from our old way of living? Not just once. But every day, moment by moment, and with first love in our hearts, follow Jesus. And live into the truth that the risen Jesus says, you are my beloved, and it is my delight to love you. And if you've heard it before, and it hasn't changed you, you haven't heard it with your heart. And if you've never heard it before and you don't think it's for you, Oh, wake up to the truth that the God who made you is absolutely wild about you. Easter, the gospel, Jesus, the greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told. The grave is empty. The garden is open. It changes everything. No matter what, no matter who, no matter your story, Believe, as the scripture says, that we would believe that this Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, no matter how imperfect we are, we would have life in His name. Let's pray together this Easter morning. Father God, we thank You that You love us so much that you love us individually and collectively so much that you did not just send some empty message, that you did not just send some church service or gathering, that you did not just send program or system, but that you sent your Son so that we could have life. We thank you that when you look at us, you don't see our sin, you don't see our guilt or our, our shame or our pride or our brokenness. We thank you that when you look at us, you see your risen son. So would you give us courage, like Mary in this story, to linger at the empty tomb long enough that we might hear you call our name. And as you call our name, would you give us enough courage 
to turn from our sin and into the voice of your perfect love. Change everything about us. Wake up our hearts so that in all of our moments we would live in the truth of your resurrection. We thank you that you are alive, that your kingdom is here and now, that your Holy Spirit is moving and working, that Jesus, you are our Lord and our God, our Savior and friend. And all you have for us is perfect love and life in your hands. We worship you. We love you. We give you all glory forever. And it's in your mighty name, Lord Jesus, all the beloved said, amen. What a gift to worship Jesus this Easter. You know, a lot of the times we think, man, is it really that all? For God so loved the world that if we just believe in him. A friend of mine says, man, isn't that what you see with the two criminals on the cross next to Jesus? I mean, imagine that guy, right? Imagine that. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Imagine being that guy when he shows up at the pearly gates that day. He shows up, the angel's like, who are you? How'd you get here? I, I don't know how I'm here. What do you mean? He's like, well, like, what, what, what'd you do? How many times have you been to church? Church? I was just on a cross. Have you ever been to Bible study? Bible study? The angel's like, I, I, I got to go get my supervisor angel. So he goes and gets his supervisor angel. And he brings him back. And the supervisor angel's like, wait a minute. Like, what, what? What, what, what do you believe about the doctrine of Scripture? The guy's like, what, 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 I, what, 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 do, you, what do you believe about justification by faith? What? I, I was just on the cross. The supervisor angel's like, how did you get here? And the criminal on the cross responds, the man on the middle cross, he said I could come. He said I could come. Do you know that this morning? The man on the middle cross says you can come. And there is an empty tomb that declares that the risen Jesus has life in his hands for you. No matter your story, it's yours to receive. Such a gift to celebrate this Easter with you. Thank you for choosing to come and be in community together today. Make sure you snag that free coffee on your way out because your kids are going to drive you nuts all spring break. Receive this as your blessing as we leave today. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world by how the Holy Spirit fills you, Christ's image abides in you, and the love of the Father centers you. From now until Jesus' kingdom comes in its fullness. Go in peace, heart church. You are so loved.